Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Lord, bless your word. Multiply it in our hearts today. Help us, Lord, to be people of the word, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been surprised? Who's been surprised? Yeah? You ever been surprised? Yeah? I've been surprised. On my 50th birthday, Terry threw a surprise birthday party for me. Except she didn't hold it on my 50th birthday party. She held it a week after my 50th birthday party. Uh, So, you know, I I had moved on past my birthday. And so she called, hey, can you bring something up to the church? And and I go and take her these things in the church. And it's supposed to be a lady's photo thing. And I walk in and there's all these old guys with these ladies doing these photos. And I'm thinking, why are these guys doing the photo, the creative memories? And, And she surprised me. But sometimes payback can be pretty bad, right? Who was here July 13th? Terry turned 50, uh, and I had, can we show that picture? That is surprise. And I was proud of myself because it was her actual 50th birthday party that I was able to surprise her. You know, life is full of of surprises. And you can take that picture off, Meryl. You don't want to be looking at Terry crying. Life can surprise us. Sometimes the surprises are good. You you, you think you're in trouble at work and you get a promotion instead. Uh, You you can have an unexpected reunion with somebody, an unexpected reconciliation. Children are full of surprises, right? (laughs) You know, some surprises are good. Sometimes the surprises are not so good. We we think we'll be retired in Florida and we're dealing with grandkids or or with parents and and we're not able to retire like we thought we'd be able to retire. We we think that a job will last forever. We, We think this is the job that I'm going to retire from and the company goes under. We think this relationship will last forever and we're committed and devoted, but there's divorce or death. Life is full of surprises. Well, we have big dreams for our kids, but they turn prodigal. Life is full of surprises. And sometimes we could even be following God's will and And it just doesn't work out like we expected. You know, preachers preach. Uh, Nelson, I don't know how you do, but but I preach pretty much out of need. (laughs) Oftentimes, it's where God's working in my life uh, that that my sermons flow from. And and this concept of life being full of surprises has been my last year. (laughs) You know, we left Trenton and we put a house for sale and, and we were sure that this is where we were supposed to be. And so we expected... God to sell that house. (laughs) Amen? Anybody been there? And it didn't work out that way. I mean, we're here now a year later, and we've got a closing, and and I'm I'm even crossing my fingers. I'm sorry, I know that's not very biblical. I may even cross my legs. But that's not what we expected. You know, sometimes, even in the midst of following God, 
there can be a surprise, an unexpected turn, an unexpected twist at the other side. Has anybody ever felt a need? Maybe you've been in a service like this and, and, and the preacher says something about a relationship and, and you, you think, I, I do, I need to try to restore that relationship. And you go and you try to restore the relationship and in the midst of trying to restore the relationship, it's almost like it gets worse. You know, we've all experienced those things where we're following God and we, we think we're doing the right thing but it just surprises us. Life is full of surprises. And quite frankly, from our perspective, and you can say amen to this, life doesn't always make sense, right? So sometimes it's because of a wrong turn we've taken. And we can see that. We'll look back and say, oh man, I really shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have spent that, or I shouldn't have went there, or I shouldn't have... Sometimes it's just plain old sin. And we look back and we realize I was disobeying God there and that's why I'm in this circumstance now. Sometimes it's just because circumstances change. I graduated from Mid-America in 1985 and I think I went back and Megan's getting ready to go to Mid-America. Now it's just M-N-U. When I was there, it was M-A-N-C. M-U sound, M-N-U sounds better. I like that better. But, but I, I'd been out one time since 1985. And then 2007 was, was M-7, which is a missional conference in Kansas City. And so I was with a couple staff guys. And I said, hey, let, let me drive you out to the campus. I couldn't find it. They're going, oh, yeah, right. You went to school here. You can't even find the school. The, the neighborhoods had changed so much that it didn't look like anything that I had remembered. Life is like that. Sometimes circumstances change, and, 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 and they can be disoriented. Surprises can be disoriented, and surprises can leave us lost. Sometimes it's almost, you ever been physically lost? Men, raise your hand. All of us have done it. You know, physically lost, you're driving, and, and, and you wind up someplace, and you say, how did I get here? How did I end up here? I was heading to Marysville, but somehow I ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I made a wrong turn somewhere, I believe. How did I get here? But the truth of the matter is that, that some of you are struggling with that ideal right now, just in your life. You're looking at the circumstances surrounding you. You're, you're looking at the state of your life, the state of your family, the state of your job, the state of your finances, the state of your spiritual life. And you're just saying, how did I get here? What turn did I take? Why, why am I in this place? You know, what's good is the Bible's full of stories just like that. You know, the, the Bible's just, the, the story of the people of God, it's full of stories where people are just in the midst of circumstances where, where if we could get into their mind, they would be saying, how did we get here? What in the world's going on? I thought God had us in the palm of his hand, but here we are in 
the wilderness. Here we are in exile. First Peter 1, chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. Let me just read this to you. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. You know, Pastor, why are you reading that to us? I heard a preacher read from this text not too long ago, and I couldn't get past these first two verses. Here's Peter writing to God's chosen people. And he's saying, he's acknowledging Messiah has come, that Christ has come, Messiah has come, everything has been fulfilled, and yet there's this problem that they're living as aliens, and they're scattered all over the known world. I just think these people had to be thinking, how did we get here? When Messiah came, when the Lord came, when Christ came, when Jesus, wasn't this the time where everything was going to come together? And yet here we are scattered all over the globe. See, the Bible is full of stories like that. Where the people's circumstances sometimes leaves them surprised and disoriented. There's Ruth and Naomi. <laughs> you know, they're dealing with the loss of, of, of all their, uh, the men, the, 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 the sons and the husbands, and, and here they are with nothing. And can't you imagine the disorientation that's going on in their life? You have the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. And can, can you, you know, here's Moses, he's come, and he's brought us out of slavery, out of captivity. And here we are, 40 years, just going circles. In the wilderness, we, we find the people of, of, of Israel in exile, in Babylon, once again disoriented, surprised. Then you have the story of Joseph. And Joseph's story is a story of someone where God works through surprising, disorienting circumstances. You know, it's interesting, in the book of Genesis, probably we'd think the primary character in the book of Genesis is Abraham, right? I mean, you know, it's the story of Abraham. You know, you have, you have creation, you have flood, you, you, you have Babel, you, you have all these things. But, but primarily, you think of Genesis, you think of Abraham. Abraham is the main character in about 11 chapters, you think, well, maybe Jacob. You know, Jacob is renamed Israel. And, you know, you have this great story of Jacob and Esau and, and Jacob with his uncle Laban. You know, all these, you know, another story of disorientation. But the primary story, the story that, that covers the most chapters where, where the primary character is this individual is the story of Joseph. Twelve chapters in the book of Genesis is devoted to this story of disorientation, of changing circumstances, the story of Joseph. She wants to hear me preach. That's how everybody leaves when I'm done. You know the story. Joseph, 
Joseph is the favored son. He, he's uh, 17 years old and, and, and his brothers do something wrong. And like any younger brother, he goes and tells on them, right? Anybody ever have a younger brother tell on them? I have. Has anybody ever been a younger brother that told on the older brother? I have, yeah. So the younger brother tells on his older brothers, and of course, they don't like that. And, you know, there's the mess of Jacob's family. Just stop and think about this for a second. It just kind of hit me. If God can move through a family like Jacob's, I think he can move through your family, right? You know, here's Jacob with these multiple wives and and multiple mothers and all these kids and you know there's this blended family where there's all sorts of confusion and there's all sorts of chaos and there's all sorts of conflict and and so you have in the midst of this this younger brother that the father visibly shows support for that he he shows the other kids that he likes him more he gets him a coat of many colors (laughs) He buys him this fancy coat or makes him this fancy coat and puts this around him as a visible sign that, yes, you're my favorite. Kind of reminds me of you, Dick. When I went to Dick's mom's funeral, Karen said, Dick was his mom's favorite, and she told everybody. So you're our Joseph today. He's the favorite. And then he goes and tells on his older brothers. And so they, the, the Bible's pretty strong about it. They hate him. And then Joseph has this dream. He has two dreams, as a matter of fact. And in both of these dreams, the, 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 the gist of the story is that somehow the other 11 are going to be bowing down to him. And, and not only does he have the dream, he tells the dream. Oh, by the way, guys, God gave me a dream, and you guys are going to worship me. Woohoo! He is the younger brother all of us wish we had, right? And the brothers are, are angry, and even, even Jacob's like, you know, you probably shouldn't have told that story. You probably shouldn't have shared that dream. So later on, the brothers are out in the field, and, and Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers. I, I, there's all sorts of questions I have in this story. Uh, I, I guess I, you know, that the ideal of the favor, if Joseph's old enough to go and check on his brothers, how come he's not working with his brothers? <laughs> and that's probably what his brothers are thinking. And they see Joseph from a distance, and, and here's this dreamer, this one that's favored, this one they can't stand, this one that told on them last time. but their reaction's pretty radical. Here he comes, let's kill him. Reuben, the oldest, even though I I don't think Reuben has this great love for Joseph, eh, let's not do that. Let's just throw him in a pit and and then maybe, you know, he's thinking maybe I can restore him and get him back home and, and save his life. But while Reuben's gone, they take Joseph from the pit and they sell him to traders heading to Egypt. Reuben comes back, and, and, and where's Joseph? Well, hey, we didn't kill him. <laughs> we sold him into slavery. And he's on his way to Egypt. So he took the robe, 
the multicolored robe and they put blood on it and they took it to Jacob and said, hey, your son Joseph was killed by an animal. Of course, there's sorrow for, Joseph, for Jacob, but we have Joseph, the one that's going to be bowed down to by his brothers, the favored one, the one that God has a great plan in his life, and he's a slave on his way to Egypt. I just kind of have a feeling that probably one of the questions Joseph was asking himself was, how did I get here? You know, what, what's going on here? This doesn't fit my paradigm. This doesn't fit into my plans. That This somehow runs counter to the dream that God has given me. Anybody ever been there? It's easy to focus on the end of the story, but right now in the midst of the story, can you imagine what's going through Joseph's mind? How did I get here? What's God doing? You know, the, the Bible doesn't really get us inside the minds of the characters too often. But I, but I don't think it's a, a stretch to believe that, that Joseph was scared, that, that Joseph was confused, that Joseph was maybe a bit disillusioned, <laughs> that maybe Joseph was, and if you can relate to this, say amen, was a little bit angry at his brothers, right? All of those things, those real world emotions that some of you may have brought into this sanctuary because of the circumstances of your life. These are the kind of things and the emotions that you deal with in your life every day, every week, every month, every year. Some of you are in the midst of this right now where your circumstances make absolutely no sense. And if you were honest... But see, we're, we're sometimes too holy to be honest about this. But if you were honest, there may be a little anger even about the circumstances of your life. And, and if we weren't so, we'd say, this isn't fair. Life doesn't make sense sometimes. And it's full of surprises. And the surprises leave us disoriented. It leaves us feeling lost. But somehow, even though we can't get a sense of what Joseph's feeling, and I believe these natural emotions are part of most people's lives. Unless you're Spock. Any Spocks out there? No, I don't think so. What we see as he moves through this story, Joseph seemingly maintains a trust in God regardless of his circumstances. And so even though I believe that these emotions were part of his life and they're part of our life, and and I believe that he had to deal with these things as he moved through the circumstances of of life, even though he moved through the surprises with, with these kind of emotions, there was something else that was at the center of Joseph that kept him centered on God. And I believe it's this. I believe that, that Joseph understood that God was bigger than his circumstances. 
And that's what I want us to take. This is the take-home point from this morning. God is bigger than my circumstances. Can you say that with me? God is bigger than my circumstances. I want you to know that whatever you're going through, even though all these emotions may be willing up, that there can still be within us this deep understanding that God is bigger than the circumstances we find ourselves in. And God may even have a plan. As a matter of fact, God does have a plan to take us through those circumstances to something fuller and better. So the question is, how, how do we maintain this attitude? See, it's, it's, you know, I'll preach great. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the, this bit of, uh, of wisdom. And, you know, but but how, do we, how do we maintain that attitude? Let me give you some practical things you could do. Spend time in the Word. Boy, that's a radical thing to suggest. <laughs> but, but spend time time, when you're in difficult circumstances, when you're in circumstances that do not make sense, when you're being surprised by life, that is the time you need to dive into the word. And not only, I'm, I'm using Jerry Lucas's language of dive into the word. He's got that, do you guys remember you dive into the word? Five is dive? Nobody remembers that me. Okay. Dive into the word. Find somebody to be in a Bible study with. Be in your Sunday school class. See, what happens oftentimes when circumstances get hairy, we want to scatter. We want to stay by ourselves. We want to mope. And it's the opposite direction than we need to go. Find a Bible study. Be part of your Sunday school class. Read your word. See, in the Word, you you find all sorts of stories of people going through similar circumstances, and you can see God's hand at work in their life. I knew a guy one time that was just going through awful, awful circumstances in life, and and he just relied on the Psalms. He stayed in the Psalms, because in the Psalms you see David's heart, and all those emotions that we go through, you see David. David speaking those emotions and and David crying out to God and and David seeking God's face even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Spend time in the word. The second is this. Acknowledge how God is moving in your life. This is a time to pay particular attention to the small moves of God in your life. You know, over this last year, as we've dealt with this house, I'm trying to not call it stupid house anymore because I'm hoping somebody else thinks it's not. As we've dealt with this house, I've had to pay attention to the small moves of God in my life. That the incidental things where where I can, and and, and, I intentionally try to find where God is moving. When your circumstances don't make sense, when when life seems to be going haywire, you need to pay close attention to the still small voice of God. You need to pay close attention to the the burning bushes. (laughs) You're saying, oh, burning bushes, weird. Not in the desert, it's not. Not when you're wandering around with a bunch of sheep to see a bush that's on fire. The only thing that made it unique was it just kept burning which meant that he had to keep looking. 
And so for some of you, it means that you need to pay closer attention to the bushes that are burning around you. You need to pay closer attention to how God is moving in your life. Maybe it's just giving God praise for continued employment. Maybe it's just giving praise to God for for the word. Maybe it's just giving praise to God for a friend or a church. Maybe Joseph was saying, well, at least they didn't kill me, right? You know, I could be dead. Thank you, Reuben. Somehow I'm still alive, even though this doesn't make sense. Third, remember God's faithfulness in the past. You know, journaling is always helpful. And, and, um, you know, it's good to have journals to go back and look at. But if you don't journal, when you're going through difficult circumstances, one thing I, I think is important to do is to spend time and remember how God has been faithful in the past. Has God been faithful in the past? Spend some time. Write them down. You know, if if you can't find a current praise, a reason to praise God, find something from five years ago and just praise God like crazy for what he did five years ago. Because it reminds us that God is Faithful, And in the midst of surprising circumstances, we can begin to waver on that. We can begin to question that. Celebrate God's move. And the fourth thing is celebrate God's move in the life of others. This is kind of a hard one. You know, I I talked about our first temptation is to withdraw. And our first temptation also is to get a little bit jealous when God moves in somebody else's life, right? I was so jealous when Joe Case sold his house. I really wasn't, but you know, I, I did think God, wrong pastor. <laughs> Celebrate God's move in others' lives, and that means you need to be with other people. You have to move beyond that temptation to isolate and be alone. And you need to pay attention to how God is moving. And you need to celebrate that move in their life as if God is moving in your life. Because it's a reminder that our God still is faithful and our God is still moving. And then finally, the last thing is acknowledge where you need God to move in your life. So I think oftentimes... This is why the Bible says, ask, seek. You have not because you ask not. Uh, In James, he's particularly talking about wisdom. You you don't have the wisdom to deal with the circumstance because you're not asking or you're asking for the wrong reasons. So maybe in the midst of the circumstance, you just need to ask. You you just need to spend some time praying. I'm going to ask Vicki to come and play. We're going to do something a little bit different tonight, this morning, tonight, whenever it is. I didn't just wake up. Wake up. In the front of the sanctuary, we're going to spend some time in prayer. It, it's, it's 925, okay? And, and in the front of the sanctuary, we find there's some squares. And, and what I'm asking you to do is just to, to take some time, come up and pray. You can pray in your pews. But what area? Are you questioning God? Or, or you're questioning your circumstance? Are you, are you needing God to move? And then just drop it in the basket. Um, 
later in this series. This will come together, and you'll see why I'm doing this. But I invite you to do that now. We're just going to spend a few minutes in prayer and, 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 and asking God to, to move in our life. Pray for us. And then we're going to read some scripture together. And I want you to know on these, unless you want me to know what you put on that, I'm not, I'm not going to look at these. These aren't going to be on public display. Uh, th- this is a place for you to um, put your deepest need where you need God to move. You don't need to sign him. You don't need to do anything like that with him. And so maybe after the service, you, you've been a little uncomfortable not knowing what's going to be done with these requests or these, these needs. And I encourage you, if you after service, you just want to come and fill one out and drop it in the, the basket, feel free to do that. And, and then you'll see what we're using it for later. And none of these, these things, what you've written, will be displayed. I want you to be aware of that. But let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, um. We're going to be honest with you. And we're going to confess, Lord, that sometimes we don't understand our circumstances. Sometimes we look back and we, we say, Lord, I, I can see where I missed a turn. Sometimes we look back and we can say, Lord, I see where I sinned. I didn't follow your will. And I'm paying a price. But oftentimes, Lord, it's, it's a little bit less clear. We thought we did all the right things, and, and yet we find ourselves in exile, in slavery, in chaos, in confusion, in conflict. And Lord, it's in those moments that we need you to be evident in our life. It's easy to allow circumstances to blur the reality of you. And Lord, our circumstances become all that we see. Lord, help us to see that you're at work in every part of our life and every day of our life. Not just the spiritual high moments, not not just in revival services or, or Sunday morning services or praise time or time at the altar. These times are special. And we're thankful for those. But Lord, what we need in this is an awareness of your work and the chaos of life. The calm in the midst of the storm. The faith when we're losing faith. So help us now, Lord, to catch hold of you, to catch hold of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. Help us, Lord, when things seem to be going in the wrong direction, to understand that our God is still faithful, and he still walks with us, and he still leads us and guides us. Lord, I'm thankful for you. You've been true and good and you've been faithful to me. And Lord, as I stop and look back at my life and consider your move in my life, it's been a strange journey. But Lord, you've been faithful throughout. 
Each commitment I've made, each step I've taken, trust in you. You have been true, faithful, and good. So Lord, I'm thankful for every gift, every good gift that's come from your hand. Help me, Lord, to maintain an awareness of your move and your presence. Lord, so that the next time you ask me to go, the next time you ask me to move, the next time you ask me to take a step of faith, I won't waver. But I'll just go. Lord, that's for all of us. However you're moving in our lives, however you're leading us in this congregation, as you lead, may we go. Lord, I believe you've got great things in mind for those who are under the sound of my voice right now. Great things in their families, great things in their life. And Lord, I pray that you'll just give them the faith to say yes to you, even though sometimes it leads us to changing circumstances. Lord, I think you have great things in mind for this church. Help us. Help us, Lord, to realize that greater days are not behind, but greater days are wherever you are. And when we find ourselves fully in your presence, those are great days. I love you, Lord, and I give you praise for your move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand with me, if you will, and we're going to read some scripture together. And it's a scripture that we read to begin with. It'll be on the screen. Can you, can you read this with me? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that this morning? You are dismissed.